With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It's September 19th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, we head to the South American country of Colombia this morning, where the government there is admitting that they are helping illegal migrants head to America. Next, I've got three updates on three previous briefs that I've given you. The first update covers the reparations debate out in California. We'll talk about a poll that says whether voters there like that idea or not. The second update has to do with what Americans believe about the transgender issue. Recent polls show one very clear direction. And finally, some research out of the UK on marijuana use. I've got a pretty exhaustive study that gives us some pretty good and, well, bad news for CBD users. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question all about the deal that was just signed between the Biden White House and the government of Iran. I'll weigh in on what we might think about that and why. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. The president of the South American country of Colombia is saying this morning that he and local governments there have absolutely no interest in trying to stop migrants who are on their illegal trips to the United States. In fact, he said that government officials there are actually profiting from those migrants, charging them taxes and offering them services as they make their way north. And to be clear, that number that are making their way north, that is expected to pass 400,000 people this year. So here's what we know about this evolving situation in Colombia and what is driving this president down there to, well, thumb his nose at America. To start this brief, let's refresh our memories. Back on June 28th, We spoke of this president of Colombia, a guy named Gustavo Petro. Now, as listeners will recall, Mr. Petro has been a radical leftist for decades. In fact, he was a terrorist, part of a terror group called M-19. Back in the 1980s, that group's goal was to topple the government of Colombia and install a leftist socialist government instead. Although, to be fair, Mr. Petro has described that group very differently. He said last year that, quote, M-19 was born in the arms of people desiring to build a democracy, end quote. Well, apparently part of building that democracy was attacking buildings, and they did. They laid siege to the Colombian Supreme Court back in 1985, and they slaughtered 94 people inside. And in that process, they managed to steal over 5,000 weapons. And that's actually where Mr. Petro comes into this story. As a member of M-19, he worked with his comrades to stash some of those weapons for future kidnappings and assassinations. Well, he was later arrested and imprisoned for doing that, but that time that he was locked up did not change him a bit. He never gave up his Marxist roots, and when he got out of prison, he ran for the Colombian Senate all the way back in the 1990s on this radical leftist agenda, and he won. Well, a couple decades later, he launched a presidential campaign, and he won that too. It was a shocker last summer. 
So that is the important background to understanding what he is doing now, not only in Colombia, but here in America too, to your families, in fact. And here's how. At Mr. Petro's direction, Colombian border and military officials are not stopping the hundreds of thousands of people who are marching through his country on their way to the United States. And he has said that he is refusing to stop them as a form of reparations of sorts, revenge. Here's what he said. Quote, the roots of this migration issue are the product of poorly taken measures against Latin American peoples by the United States, end quote. He then added that unlike the United States, he would never send in, say, horses and whips to beat back migrants and their surges. Of course, he was making reference there to the rhetoric of his fellow American leftists like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She and other folks on the left in this country falsely claimed last year that horse riding border patrol agents were using whips against the migrants on our southern border. And that, of course, was false. But this rhetoric aside, Mr. Petro's refusal to stop these migrants, it's actually a violation of an agreement that he signed with Joe Biden back in April. And at that time, he and Panama's president promised Mr. Biden that they would stop the flow of migrants through something that is called the the Darien Gap. It's a very popular migrant route through the jungle that both of those countries share. So if I could recap, Mr. Petro is violating this agreement that he had with Joe Biden because, well, first, it's it's an act of socialist revenge against the capitalist North. But second, there's something else that's a little bit more ironic to his explanations and justifications. It's that actually Mr. Petro and local officials are actually profiting from this migrant search. Local authorities in Colombia this morning, along with cartels and human traffickers, are turning these migrant caravans into very big business. For instance, local mayors are charging a migrant tax for everybody who comes through, $80 per person to pass through their border cities. And that might not sound like a lot, but when you multiply that $80 times 400,000 people coming through in a year, well, that is tens of millions of dollars all now in the pockets of local officials and Mr. Petro's political allies. So those are the latest facts and data coming out of Colombia this morning. But before I pivot to my analysis and opinion, I want to remind us of the consequences of these 400,000 migrants coming into America. Last week, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security reported that at least 160 individuals on the U.S. terror watch list have been arrested so far this year trying to come across the border illegally. That, of course, does not count all the others who managed to slip through without being noticed. Meanwhile, U.S. Border Patrol agents have been absolutely overwhelmed over the past couple of weeks, releasing illegal migrants into the U.S. at an increasing uh, fast clip that includes in the city of San Diego and small communities all throughout the border, including southern Arizona cities such as Bisbee, Benson, Sierra Vista. All of these are very small towns now being overrun and overwhelmed by thousands and thousands of migrants who are being dumped in these small cities each day with no resources or help. So with that painful and frustrating reminder, let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. So folks, about a year ago, the media outlet NPR conducted a poll of Americans asking you all how you would describe what is happening at the southern border. And 52% said that we are being invaded. And that included a majority of independents, Republicans, and even some Democrats too. Well, in response to that number and that word of being invaded, 
The folks at NPR said that such language was evidence that Americans are, quote, embracing increasingly extreme Republican rhetoric around immigration, end quote. But I'll tell you, politics aside, it's pretty darn hard to argue that it is not a form of invasion. After all, there have been at least 160 known or suspected terrorists who have crossed over the border this year. Say nothing of the one to two million more who have also come over, again, uninvited and unvetted. So the question that I would put to the NPR folks is this. If it is not an invasion, what is it? Well, we actually have probably what would be part of NPR's response to my question. We're getting it from that fellow down in Columbia. Their fellow leftist, the president of Columbia, believes that it's revenge. It's a righteous form of revenge, a penalty for our perceived foreign policy sins in decades gone by, all down there in Latin America. And I think that is pretty important for us to remember. Because sometimes we look around as this migrant crisis is unfolding, and we ask ourselves, boy, this looks to be a little bit too organized. There are just too many people flooding over the border. Somebody's got to be helping them. Well, what we know now this morning is that's partly true, actually. And it happens to include the president of Colombia, who is a former Marxist rebel who fancies himself as somebody who is sticking up for the Hispanic people and sticking it to the Americans with an act of revenge. But I would tell him and I would offer to you all, there's a problem with that logic. Hispanic Americans, they're tired of this migration crisis, too. There were two polls that came out this month that show about 65% of Hispanic Americans want more border security, and they think that there needs to be more done to control illegal migration. In other words, irrespective of our skin color or our cultural heritage, we all see what's going on down on the border, and we know it's bad. And that, I think, is pretty important for us to remember, because sometimes the media, whether it be NPR or otherwise, they would like for us to believe that either there is no crisis or maybe that it's actually good, a form of reparations for our old sins. But it's not okay. It's not good. And it's okay to say that what is happening on the border is wrong. And if you feel so inclined, you can call it an invasion if you'd like. Because at this point, it's fair to argue that it is. With that, Let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you so much. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks. And enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted, and that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about JaceMedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. 
And I'll tell you, it, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code right, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code right at jasemedical.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Folks, if you're looking to diversify your investments, I have something for you to consider. It's called Masterworks, and here's what they do. They purchase modern art by famous creators like Picasso, and then they qualify it with the SEC and sell shares of that art to investors like us. Now, eventually they sell that piece of art, it's called an exit, and when that happens, investors like you and me, we get a portion of the sale. And their record, ladies and gentlemen, is pretty impressive. Last month, they had exits with returns of 10 to 35%. Now, this concept is relatively new, but not to the 780,000 members who have joined and invested. Meanwhile, Masterworks has also been written up in Forbes and Financial Times, which, by the way, you should read those articles because I did. And I decided that for my long-term investments, Masterworks fits for me. Now, will it be for you? Well, here's how you decide. Go to masterworks.com slash right report and you will get priority access for a personal interview where the staff will help you decide if Masterworks fits for you. So again, go to masterworks.com slash right report. Again, that's W-R-I-G-H-T. And as you sign up for that interview, folks, you can also read through their disclosures. Pretty good stuff. Masterworks.com slash CD. So all in all, folks, I think that you are going to be quite impressed with Masterworks and what they offer to investors. So one more time, go to masterworks.com, write report, because at the end of the day, I think you will be glad you did. Welcome back to the right report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards domestic news with three updates from three previous reports. We start with news out of the state of California regarding the issue of racial reparations. We first talked about this all the way back on May 8th and May 17th. But to refresh our memories, California has been toying with this idea of giving benefits and cash payments to black residents of the Golden State, upwards of $1.2 million per person, plus free college tuition, interest-free loans, and subsidized down payments for houses. Now, as listeners might recall, the all-in cost for that program would be about $800 million which is two and a half times the state's entire annual budget. Well, a new poll out shows that Californian voters do not support reparations at all. About 60% of voters say that they would not support that kind of program, and that includes 60% of white, Asian, and Hispanic voters. Meanwhile, black Californians, they disagree with everybody else. They are very much in support of these racial reparations. Around 76% of these folks say that, yes, they would like a $1.2 million payout and those assorted benefits. But here's something that I think is very interesting. 
when these voters were asked, the, the folks that did not like the reparations idea, when they were asked why, most chose this next answer, quote, it is unfair to ask today's uh, taxpayers to pay for wrongs committed in the past, end quote. The second most cited reason for opposing reparations was this, quote, it's not fair to single out one group for reparations when other racial and religious groups have been wronged in the past too, end quote. Well, this poll, by the way, was conducted by the folks at UC Berkeley, and it was reported by the LA Times. There you go. Next, we come to another series of polls about a very divisive issue, this one about transgender people and what to do or not about that issue. Well, today's update connects us to a series of briefs that I have given you over the summer, going all the way back to May 18th and then again on August 30th and September 12th. To recap those and during those reports, we talked about first how trans people are more likely to be autistic, plus whether or not parents should be informed by school officials that their kids might be trans. Well, we now have three new polls to talk about for folks who are trying to decide what to think about this issue and learn from other Americans what they think too. There was a poll out from the media outlet NPR recently that found that 61% of Americans believe that gender is defined by the sex as listed on a birth certificate, not, one, uh, not what one decides later in life. Now, interestingly, that matches a second poll from the media outlet Washington Post. They, too, found that around 60% of Americans believe that gender is determined at birth. Finally, there was a recent poll from the Gallup organization that reported that 69% of Americans believe that athletes should only play on teams that match their gender listed on their birth certificate. In other words, boys should play with boys and girls should play with girls. Now, here's what's interesting, I think, about all three of these polls. In each case, these numbers are increasing. In other words, as time passes, more people in this country believe that gender is defined at birth, not later in life. So those are the latest facts and data on this issue that is generally described as divisive. Now let me pivot to my analysis and opinion, because what these polls suggest is that actually this really isn't a divisive topic, at least not as much as we might think or we are told by the media. Rather, it's clear that most Americans increasingly believe that gender is known and settled at birth. In fact, we are more certain of that the more that we are exposed to this issue and this debate. At any rate, just something to consider as you all wrestle with what you think and believe, no matter what the media tells you to think and believe. Finally, an update this morning on the reports that I've given you regarding cannabis or marijuana use. As listeners may recall, my briefs that I gave to you during the week of August 28th generated a whole bunch of debate, both on my Substack and the emails that y'all sent me. That August 30th episode was probably one of the more contentious ones I've had in a while. Well, we've got a new set of data, I think pretty interesting to talk about regarding this issue, all to help guide our conversation. And it comes to us from the British Medical Association and their journal called the BMJ. And they found some good things, some bad things, and just some general advice, all based on studies, trials, and data published over a 20-year period. So let's start with the good things that they discovered. Cannabis oil or CBD oil was confirmed to provide benefits for certain types of epilepsy, although the quality and the consistency of that oil was of vital importance when considering the ultimate benefit. 
Second, people with MS were assisted in their pain and stiffness to help them along in that journey. Although, again, the researchers noted that, well, these same issues about the quality and consistency of that CBD oil were very much apparent. So that's about it as far as the benefits of CBD, at least according to these researchers and their study of studies. They said that there were other claims that they looked at of benefits, but those were supported by only weak evidence or had very low uh, certainty or were not clinically significant at all. Which takes us to the bad effects of cannabis use or CBD. They found that CBD use and marijuana, generally speaking, comes with an increased risk of psychosis across all populations with an increase of depression and mania. There were also detrimental effects on memory, visual, and verbal recall. Next, they also found an elevated risk for psychosis in young people, plus heightened risk of psychosis with those users with a pre-existing psychotic disorder. If I could summarize that, the CBD use or marijuana use either caused psychosis in those users with very young developing brains, or it made mentally ill folks even worse off than before. Finally, researchers offered a pretty stern warning to pregnant women. They found that cannabis use increases the risk of having a small, low birth weight child. So there you have it, folks. A few more facts and data on this topic and a very important one at that. As listeners will recall, the Biden White House is moving forward with plans to lessen federal penalties related to marijuana growth and consumption. They announced that back on August 30th. Well, as ever, I'm going to keep you posted on what the government thinks about all this, but more importantly, what you and me and, critically, the science says about all this as best as we know it. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Jason in Rockville, Maryland wrote in, along with a bunch of others actually, asking about this latest deal that the Biden White House has made with the country of Iran, which the U.S. government lists as a sponsor of global terror. So let me summarize this deal. First, the United States has agreed to allow $6 billion to flow from a frozen bank account in South Korea to a bank account in the Middle Eastern country of Qatar. The promise is that Qatar will only release these $6 billion back to Iran, who ultimately owns this money, but only going to release it for humanitarian needs like food and medicine. In exchange, the United States gets five people who had been locked up in Iranian prisons, mostly convicted of being spies for the U.S. So all in all, that is the deal. That is what both sides get and give. So Jason and others wanted to know what I thought about that. Well, to help us understand it, let's do a thought experiment. So let's imagine that we are a dictator or a head of some regime somewhere, and we hate America. So as we look at this deal, we are not going to ask ourselves this question, What is the price, the ransom that we can now get each time we capture or kidnap an American and and imprison them? Well, crunching the numbers here, that amount is about $1 billion ahead, depending on who it is, of course. And that is exactly what the Iranians have said they're going to do too: kidnap more people for more money. Back in 2021, a now Iranian vice president at the time mused that his country should kidnap a thousand Americans and charge $1 billion a person in ransom. 
all to bolster the country's economy. Well, they did it and they got it. Plus, there's this, folks, we should think about. The Iranian government is now saying that they are going to spend that $6 billion however they want, not just on food and medicines. The president of Iran said that a couple weeks ago, and then another Iranian official added this, quote, We succeeded in releasing billions of dollars of our blocked resources without committing to anything else, end quote. So getting back to our thought experiment, sitting in whatever crazy capital we're in, we can now reasonably assume that we might get $1 billion per American, and at the end of the day, we can use that money however we want. Now, whether or not that is ultimately true, I don't know, but that is the very clear perception that this deal leaves the world with this morning, with tyrants and dictators all around. And that is why I would not have approved of this deal had I been in the White House. Instead, if I had been advising you as president, I would have offered you this counsel. Do a deal, but arrange for a prisoner swap, right? One Iranian that is in our prisons for one American in their prisons or something of that nature, but not billions in cash for five people, all to a regime that has used our ransom payments in the past to bomb and kill us. Because folks, if Iran did it before, we can reasonably assume that they are going to do it again. Folks, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it's easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up. And at the end of each day's Substack post that you get in the email, well, you can leave a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.